Hey guys, as you can tell from the description, this is a very special episode for us here on the One Giant Podcast. Andy Makowitz and myself welcoming in our first NFL player interview. And it just so happens to be a member of the New York Football Giants, running back John Hilleman joins us on the show. We have a great conversation about football and some things off the field as well. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. But before we do, let's drop that brass. So as we officially welcome in John Hilleman to the podcast, he is, of course, a local product right out of New Jersey, played his final college season at Rutgers University, and last year got an opportunity to play in and start one game for the New York Football Giants, including that week four performance where we were able to get that W against division rivals, the Washington Redskins. Officially, John, welcome into the One Giant Podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, John, we're really excited to get you on. We've got a, a host of different questions for you today. Like like uh, Adam said, a lot of football, some things a little bit outside of football, but I know Adam noticed something right out of the gate. Well, this is, listen, I, I feel like we need to get it off the table before we dive into some football stuff. Madden is just doing you dirty, right? Is that what we can assess here? We saw some conversations, the speed rating. Where, where are we at here, John? Is this just disrespect uh, across the board? Nah, it's it's rightfully so. I mean, it, uh, got it, it, the more plays you make, the higher the rating. So I mean, I guess you know, coming out, I knew I wasn't expecting nothing crazy, but um, you know, just gotta, just gotta, you know, next year. Let's just say next year will be a better rating. Twenty twenty one, I'll have a better rating. You know. <laughs> well, well, John, I was going to ask you about that. So what what I looked up in Madden was just to get the receipts and make sure and and kind of understand where if they were doing it fair, where you think you'd fall. So you got guys that are unobjectively pretty quick. You got guys like Philip Lindsay and Christian McCaffrey that are sitting at 93s, which is as high as you could pretty much get on the running back scale, right? Mm-hmm. Are, are, we talking, are we talking that level of dis- disrespect for John Hillman in, in the speed round, or where are we at? Well, I mean, I, I feel like Madden was kind of tough this year as far as uh... – ratings because those guys are electric you know what i'm saying you know what i mean they could probably be anywhere close to 95 96 speed you know those guys could really let it go you know they even got saquon at like a 92 i mean saquon's probably somewhere should be around 95 96 you know so i mean yeah they they were kind of a little stingy this year with it but it's all in good it's all in good uh gameplay they know what they're doing they've been playing the game for a while so they got better expertise than i do with that that (laughs) realm i guess (laughs) Well, I, I got one confrontational comparison. You can tell me whether or not you think in a 40 that you could take him down. And that's your teammate, Wayne Gallman Jr. They got they got Wayne at an 89, which is which is pretty good. If right. you guys are lined up next to each other, what are you thinking? It'll be a good race. It'll be a good, obviously, obviously, if you ask Wayne, he's going to say he'll, he'll edge it out. Obviously, <laughs> I'm going to say I'll edge it out. But, I mean, we won't know until – that day comes when we just both feeling good and we just, you know, line up and race. But, you know, I, personally, I think I win, obviously. I mean, because, you know, I'm a confident person. So I'll take that. I can take that right to Twitter then. No, John Hilleman, officially. <laughs> at Wayne Goldman Jr. Nah, See you later. Nah. Enjoy that. A little, little bit of dust in your mouth. Don't worry oh, about man. it. You're going to be all right. Nah, that's my boy, Wayne. It's, it'll, be, it'll be all good. 
So listen, on the on the football side of stuff, obviously this is a, a weird scenario to be in as as you prepare for your second season. New head coach for the Giants, potentially some some changes to the scheme. What are the communication levels been like during this time of the offseason? Have you been in touch with anybody there, or is this basically still kind of just a waiting, waiting and seeing once everyone can kind of get back together? Yeah, so we've been I've been in contact mostly with the running back coach. Uh talked a few times with Coach Judge and a few times with Coach Garrett, and everybody kind of feels the same way. I mean, it's weird. I mean, they, they, a lot of people. I mean, you talk about veteran coaches who've been around at this level for you know some twenty plus years, and they haven't seen nothing like this before. So I mean, it, everybody's kind of just going day by day, figuring things out. I mean, you know, we may get information about something that one day, and then the next day is totally different. So we've just been communicating through phone. Uh, we're gonna probably start. The virtual off season pretty soon, so we'll be able to, you know, meet virtually and you know go over the, the the scheme and everything, and guys can be able to you know study and learn, you know, as if we were together in the building. But you know, yeah, that's that's coming up pretty soon. But otherwise, yeah, man, it's just a, a big waiting game, a big waiting game. Yeah, and, and John, spe- speaking of that, you know, aside from the communication with the coaches, obviously you still got to get yourself physically and mentally prepared for training camp and, and everything that comes along with it. I mean, this is a whole new universe with different facilities available to you, different abilities to, to work out with, you know, some of the guys that, you know, can you talk to us a little bit about what this off season has been like so far and how you're trying to keep physically and mentally sharp? Yeah. So, and so in the beginning, so this off season has kind of been like, as far as, Training goes, it's been kind of a roller coaster. I mean, at first, it's a lot of stability. Uh, I go to my facility early in the morning, um, work out there for about for a long while, go to yoga, go run routes, you know, a lot of different things. And then uh, afterwards, you know, recovery. You know, I've been doing that at Test Sports Academy in um, Martinsville. Been doing that from, I want to say, from the first week of January to probably when the pandemic started to, you know, go on the rise. Once that happened, you know, they obviously the state kind of mandated that people, you know, certain small businesses had to close down. And after that happened, I ended up, you know, going, I'm training right now in Fairfield in a place, uh, in a weight room in Fairfield. They have a lot of, you know, turf field and a lot of things that, you know, that I can use. All the equipment is there that I can use. So, I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough, but you work around it, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, I'm running a lot more, running a lot of routes, doing a lot of things that I'm not wouldn't normally do, but obviously you have to. Because at the end of the day, you know, the show must go on, and you got to be ready regardless. I mean, no one, no one's really going to want to hear that you know we had a virus and you couldn't get nothing done when it's time to you know perform. So, you know, just just finding different ways to you know work on, you know, the deficiencies I have and, you know, while taking care of my body and being ready, you know. So, so nobody should be going to training camp saying, coach, I have a note from my doctor said there was a pandemic. That's why I may be a little step slow here. I may not quite have the playbook in hand. Nah, that's that's not, yeah, that's probably not going to be a, a valuable <laughs> excuse. But, I mean, I'm sure at first, you know, they're going to try to get everybody up to speed because, you know, it's a little different. Football shape is a little different from, workout shape and everything like that but um it's gonna get to a certain point where you know you gotta have you know foundation at least i mean you can't just be doing nothing this whole time and saying everything was closed i couldn't do nothing I mean, you gotta figure it out you know you're a professional it's your job so it's not college anymore so you gotta figure it out and 
you know, but I mean, everybody, you know, pretty much know, understands that. So. So when we take a look, by the way, I'm happy to hear that from any of my <laughs> New York Giant fan base, happy to hear people approaching it professionally, especially uh, someone like yourself. When, when you take a look back at that last season, a lot of things happen that end up giving you that opportunity to come in and, and not just play a few games, but also start one. When you look back, the the injuries that end up hitting Saquon, that end up hitting Wayne Gallman Jr. as well, when you get that opportunity, is there a difficult transition from, say, playing on a practice squad with maybe some of the other offensive linemen? Now you come in behind the starting line, but even that had some injuries as well. Jalapio goes down a little bit. So they're shuffling, shuffling a lot of pieces around. When you line up in the backfield, are you thinking, trust the scheme and run off of what I see? Do you try to talk to some of these other linemen and figure out what their tendencies are, communicate what, what you look to do depending on on how a play develops? What's your mindset and approach to it as you come into what maybe felt like a little bit of a surprising opportunity early in the season? Yeah, um, this in that situation, my approach is to try to uh, prepare – Prepare as if I'm a starter regardless. I mean, one of the things a running back coach at the time, Coach Johnson, told me was, um, you know, whether you run the play in practice or not, you're responsible for it. Now, I kind of had that system in college, you know, at Boston College. Our coach was the same way with that, and even in high school, you know. But at those places, you kind of – for me, at least, it went in one ear and out the other because I was doing all the reps, you know what I'm saying? So it didn't really, like – you know, that's for the other guys. Now, when you, you know, behind guys, you know, and, and you're not taking as many reps, you're doing more special team stuff and more scout stuff. And then it, it's tough. You know, it's tough to get those physical reps. And then you try to communicate as best as you can. But when the live, when it's live, it's different. Right. And so so my mentality going into it was trying to prepare, trying to learn from guys, really pay attention, a lot of mental reps. Um, understand, and I didn't, and I still didn't quite understand the whole, in all the intricacies of the playbook. But I tried to not make physical mistakes, as many physical mistakes as possible. That was the most important thing. Um, coaches, the coach knew that you know mental mistakes would be there. Try not to make you know repeated mistakes, but I just try not to make physical mistakes. Finish my run, you know, block the right guys, do all the things that you know, and be physical when needed to be. And um, that was just the most important thing for me is just, just trying to do that to, to prove on a physical standpoint, at least that, you know, you belong out there, you know, you can be trusted. So that's just the most important thing there. But yeah, as far as understanding the whole like intricacies of the offense, I mean, I knew I didn't really have that much time to do that. So I had to kind of <laughs> pick up pretty quick where, you know, it was all right. Yeah, John, to, to build on that, in those games, was there, what was the most surprising thing to you? Obviously, you've played football your whole life. Is it is it the speed of NFL players? Is it the sheer size? Is it the schemes, the looks that they give? Like, was there anything when you got out there that you're like, wow, like there's no way someone can truly prepare for this until they get between the lines? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would probably say everyone talks about the different levels of speed. Of, of the um, from college to pros. Fortunately, I played big time college football. So a lot of the guys that, you know, are, are stars in the league came from the conferences I played in, in Big Ten ACC. So I'm, the, the speed of the game was kind of used to. I would say the difference, um, the difference from college to the pros is just how knowledgeable players are. You know, like guys, you see guys year seven, year eight, year nine, 
They might not be as fast as they were when they first came into the league or as quick or as sharp physically, but they still find a way to get to the ball. They still find a way to take angles. They still find a way to be and make plays and play efficiently. And they don't, it's not a lot of wasted movement, I would say. So I would say just the knowledge of the game and ultimately it allows you to play faster, but just the knowledge of the game and putting themselves, people putting themselves in the best positions to make plays. I think that's just, that's just um, the biggest thing I saw. And it kind of, in a, in a certain place, if you don't, in a certain, to a certain degree, if you don't know what you're doing, like to a certain T, they'll use that against you. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately what I saw more so than the speed or the size or just the physicality or the athleticism that was happening week in and week in. Yeah. So those those defenses are, they say, they're they're picking up on the hesitation or the, the, the lack of maybe awareness, not with you or just anybody in general. Young right. players, a lot of those veterans are saying, okay, I see something I can expose here on this guy. I can go ahead and take advantage of what I've learned over the past decade in the league. Right. That's really what it is. And that's something I noticed pretty early in from guys on our team because we have a locker room full of great vets and uh, guys who, you know, pull a young guy aside and, and, and try to, you know, teach him, you know, the, the do's and don'ts and, you know, try to help him establish a routine, a championship routine that will help them throughout their career. But um, yeah, those those older guys, they, they kind of explain, yeah, these guys know. Because when you think about it, when you, you know, if you leave college, whether you leave college three years, four years, five years, you graduate or not, after when you become a pro, there's no more school. There's no more, you know, other stuff. There's, it's just football. And then if you want to do the service thing, obviously, and if, I mean, if you're older in your career, you got a family, but if you're, when you're first starting out, it's just football, you know? So you got time to spend watching hours and hours and hours of film. You got time to spend staying on the field, staying in the weight room, you know, certain tendencies, linking up with your coaches and, and watching stuff and going through game plans. You have time to do that essentially because that's your job. So these guys are more than ready and they can find different ways, five or six ways to defeat you. You know, whereas on your end, you got to try to find five or six ways to defeat that guy. So that's kind of, it's really a, a, a amplified physical chess match out there. And these coaches, these schemes, I mean, they're, they're, they're diabolical. You know what I'm saying? Like, literally, like, they'll, you'll show you one thing and then literally the night before is totally different. And so things like that, I think that's why, you know, like young players like myself and other young players is kind of topsy-turvy as far as, you know, performances. One day it's like, okay, boom, this kid flashes. The next day it's like a couple of weeks later, it's like, oh, he's struggling. He can't do, do anything right. And the next thing you know, he goes off. You know, so things like that because, you know, unless – because it's tough. It's tough really because, you know, it's orchestrating this whole league. But one, the faster young players get it and understand like, okay – this is what you got to do. This is what it takes. It'll be fine. But yeah, I think that's really what it is. Just this really every, all the older guys or even younger guys, just how quick and how into the game plan and into the job they are. That's how, that's why they allow them to play faster and quicker and be where they need to be every single time rather than just here and there, you know? Yeah. I, I like that. I like the chess analogy that, that one got me uh head. Yeah. Nod. Yeah. So one of the young players, obviously, that uh, is kind of a, a building block and a cornerstone for the Giants is Saquon Barkley. You're in the running back room with him all the time. You know, we know that he's strong. We know he's quick. We know he's got pass catching ability. But can you kind of talk us through, like, what you've seen in the background? Like, 
what everyone that talks about Saquon says that he is a special guy, right? Like, what is it about him that maybe we don't see? And it's not, it's not a five yard catch. It's not a spin move. Like, is there anything that you could point to? Right. Saquon, one thing I know Saquon about Saquon from, um, just from being there is that he's, he's extremely competitive and he's hyper confident now. But he also, but he he also understands there there's a difference between being hyper confident and arrogant. He's not arrogant. He's a humble guy. He will, he's very respectful to everybody. Treats everybody the same. Treats everybody with respect. He's nice, a very nice guy. Good stand up dude. And but he's very confident in his ability. And he 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 works really hard. And he was blessed, you know, with God given ability and God natural just natural physicality natural athleticism that a lot of people don't have and so with that he's very confident he knows that okay i can get even if i make the wrong step i can get past this dude you know mm-hmm. that's just his mentality how he speaks how he walks at the, and that's kind of the, the the realm that he lives in so i, I believe that, that kind of shows in his play obviously it shows in his play and his production and he's just a very very confident dude and he he, he lives the game of football it's something that he loves to do but he lives more so, he lives competition, right? He lived the, the whole idea of being the best. I mean, it's it's been many a times where we, I walk in and we just we coming from the meeting room. He's like, I play connect for him. I, I get him maybe one day, yes, the, the day before, and he just with it. He'd be like, it's like he lost sleep over the fact that I beat him. And he's like, we gotta play, we gotta play, we gotta play, and then he'll win and and stuff like that. But. He's just very, very just over the top with his competitiveness. And that's and that's kind of what separates a lot of people or well, him from a lot of people. Is that some people will get to that point of competitiveness and be like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. All right, it is what it is. I gave my him, it's like, nah, we gotta win. And and it's a it's a genuine distaste for losing. I think that's kind of something that me and him are really close with because I mean I'm just as competitive. I wanna win. I'm trying to win right after practice. If he beat me, I'm trying to play. And so <laughs> But yeah, I think that's one of that's probably I would say the foundation of what separates him from a lot of other players in the league is that he's just a he's a work he's a worker he's very talented and he's competitive. You get those three, you're gonna have a guy that's just unbelievable, like he is. Well, I remember thinking back to that week three game, Tampa Bay misses that field goal last second. Daniel Jones wins his first start of his career. Saquon Barkley's on the sidelines in crutches. And it was almost like he needed somebody on the team to pull him back from wanting to sprint out on that field. Yeah. So yeah. speaking of that mentality of not only being not only being a great player, which you know that he is, which by the way, in my mind, the the thought that I could have been something once upon a time, I never had any of these athletic skill sets. But when I heard the measurements of one of his thigh muscles, which circumferences my entire body, I also thought oh, physically I may not quite have have what it takes here. Yeah, but you have it, Adam. I'm sorry. I, didn't, I know. Yeah. No, no one's no one's giving me the confidence to think that I do. But but that idea of of having both the determination, all the things you need to be doing in, in the in the film room, and then also being a genuine team guy, right? Genuinely supporting everyone else. I know even just from a global team perspective, that's invaluable to having guys wanting to be with one another, wanting to learn together, wanting to help each other get better. So it, it feels like that's what you see from the outside. And I wouldn't expect to hear anything less, but it's also just that it's great to hear that you can't get one over on him. <laughs> and, and he's always driving to just be that next level, even as good as, as he's shown to be already. And likewise for you as well. Yeah. I mean, they, Saquon not only does that, but I mean, one thing Chris Mullen says, the good do for themselves, the great do for others. 
And the one thing that he does as well with his hyper his confidence, I say I call it hyper confidence. Um, he kind of tries to get that from the people around him, right? So the running back room, I mean, we we that's kind of how we start. We we like to say we start from our own square, our own twenty-five feet. Then we try to affect our room. Then we try to affect our side of the ball. Then ultimately, hopefully, that permeates throughout the team. But so he starts obviously with himself, but then he he tries to drive the backs to you know just be on point. Like if regardless of how practice or the game or the season's going, he's just like, look, we got to control and we got to be be competitive in ourselves to get the most out of what we got going on. And he, he, he drives, and that's, you know, obviously it's the reasons why he's a captain, because he kind of drives other people to try to have that same outlook on the whole thing, kind of take the job as just as serious as he's taking it. And that was big. And obviously soon it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to catch on to people soon, because obviously when you get a guy like that who has that mentality, who's preaching this stuff, who's living it, and how his production, soon, soon enough people are going to have to jump on board and try to get with what he's got going on. Right. And that's that either, either be, be on board with me or get out of my way. Cause I'm not stopping. This is where I'm yep. going. You can be with me. Yep. I love that. Uh, to transition, I guess a little bit here, we obviously know that the, uh, the draft is, is coming up on Thursday evening. You're just a year removed from, from the college level. Are, are there friends of yours? Are there guys that you are still connected with that are that are about to come up on one of the biggest nights uh, as they enter their professional career that you've been talking with? Are there are there any names that we should be knowing about as Giants fans or just as, as football fans that could be getting their name called? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I got a lot of friends. I got quite a few friends that are still playing college ball a year under me um, that are, you know, going into this, this process. Um, one guy in the in specific in particular that's definitely going to get his name called because he's just another freaking nature as we're kind of talking about the point is uh, aj Dillon, a running back uh, at boston college and um you know i've been he's been you know we've been talking back and forth for you know any questions that come up he hits me up whether it's social media on my phone about you know certain things that you know certain things to watch out for certain stuff and i just let him know and obviously the process, his process would be a lot different than mine, but just the fact of me going through it and me doing all that type of stuff, you know, he still, you know, relays questions off of me for like information. But um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's done a phenomenal job. He's had a phenomenal career at Boston College. And he's definitely somebody that'll be pretty much picked up. He won't be on the table pretty long. That's if, if that's the, you know, long story short. But um, yeah, and it's a lot, a lot of guys from test, uh, a lot of guys from test that I trained without training there this offseason so during that you know got in touch with a lot of combine guys and pro day guys and you know a lot of them are, are, are going to be in the um the fold um but yeah it's a it's it's a tough process it's probably that was probably one of the most not one of the most like anxiety filled processes throughout my whole life you know i would say besides like the whole recruiting process in college um in high school i meant to you know going to college but um, it's definitely. But after it's all over and you you finally get you know settled, um, it's it's a blessing because you know your dream has has been well part of the dream has been achieved and so you know it's it's, it's a tough process but there's light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, definitely someone to, to re, definitely that's someone to keep close attention to is AJ and you know some other guys. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because uh, on the One Giant podcast, we've highlighted A.J. Dillon before as as uh, someone to look out for in the draft. 
it, the, initially they were saying he was going to go in the seventh round, which I thought was was crazy. He's too he's too talented of a guy to yeah, 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 yeah. last that long, right? That won't he won't be around. <laughs> he won't be around that long for sure. <laughs> the one question I had about your draft experience, obviously, um, you know, one of the things that they say is toward you know as as you get a little bit towards the tail end of the draft, there are so, uh, different schools of thought about whether or not you do want to be drafted in the seventh round or if you'd rather be undrafted to be able to give yourself more options, kind of get to pick where you want to go. Was that, was that something that was kind of running through your mind a little bit as well? Not really. Not really. Uh, I mean, me, Ceremony, I you know, wanted to hear my name called, but I heard from a lot of people that it was better off. If you're not, you know, in that mid-round or early-round conversation, it's probably better off to be an undrafted free agent because you get to choose you know, your your destination, right? You get to do the research on the situation before you head into it. You know, the depth chart, um, certain situations, contract situations, how many, you know, rookie undrafted free agents do make the team, things like that. So I so I mean I've been I was told by I was told by on a lot of veteran players that's a better situation if you're not um drafted up. But you know me personally, obviously, I want I wanted that whole thing because it's just that that was just a dream. But ultimately, I knew that you know I just wanted the opportunity because if I get the opportunity to showcase, you know, my skills and showcase my ability, I'll be able to you know impress. And that was just the most important thing for me is getting a legitimate opportunity to you know showcase you know the talent, the hard work, and everything that goes with it. So. You know, it was kind of a mixed emotions, I would say, with that whole thing. It's kind of like a mixed mindset with, with that whole thing. I mean, I was, I was, would have been happy to have it, but I wasn't really like, you know, like losing sleep over the whole idea of getting my name called. But, you know, and you get to and you get to work and function in your home state in New Jersey, right? So that's that's a nice little bonus to being able to to make your choice like that, as opposed to maybe getting picked up somewhere and having to decide whether or not that environment feels great for you. Yeah, that's a, that's very important. Plus, it was a dream within a dream because I I grew up a Giants fan since I was three years old, and so I've always been a Giants fan. And um, so just the fact of it, just them them reaching out to me and saying, "Yeah, we're very very interested in you. We want to you know make a deal with you. you know, we weren't drafting a running back this year, but we want to bring you." It was kind of like wow, you know, my parents, everybody, in my family, Giants fan. So it was a it was a very it was a great day, and it was a great day regardless of you know not getting drafted or whatever. But it was a phenomenal day. And um, so, yeah, that, that definitely was the kind of more of a kind of a plus, I would say, you know, definitely. Who's who's your guy then growing up a Giants fan? I mean, running back. Was there someone that you oh, followed everybody. or just? Was, yeah, yeah. I, was, I had everybody, man. I was a big, obviously big Tiki Barber fan growing up. Um, you know, Eli Manning was, you know, kind of like <laughs> a big deal. Because <laughs> he was our first round pick. Um who else was in the OC? Mike, obviously Mike Strahan. I was a big Jabril Wilson fan. I used to like Jabril Wilson. He used to hit. He used to hit real He's hard. He's a thumper, yeah. Yeah, he used to hit real hard. C-Web, obviously. David Tyree, because he was a Jersey guy. I found out that he was pretty close, you know, so it was it was really cool. Plus, he had the big helmet catch. You know, it's, it's, it's probably it's greatest, the greatest uh, playing in Super Bowl history. I don't care nobody say it. Music right here, Jonathan. I'm a Syracuse alumni, so David Tyree has a special place in my heart. Yeah, okay, that. okay, yeah. I had to. I got a podcast for Syracuse thing with him because I'm a BC guy, so it's not really. 
We ain't really too. Yeah, but we cool though. It's Jersey, so I bypass it because he's from Jersey. Listen, listen, but, John. Um, I still remember you got an offer from Syracuse. I, I remember this. I'm uh, steel trap up here, so I know. I did, man, I did, I did. But um, yeah, but you know, I had a lot of guys. I wasn't. I wouldn't say I was really uh just like there was one player in particular on the Giants that I was like glued into. I just loved the whole team, just the whole the whole atmosphere and. Just how passionate the New York and New Jersey fans were of, of, of the Giants. That was the biggest thing. We we love them, but then we kind of harsh. That's one thing I know. Uh, you know, if they're not doing too hard, it's tough. You know, and I kind of now as a player, I kind of see it. <laughs> I kind of see it in a different light. You know, so but I understand it as a growing up fan. I mean, I was kind of a little frustrated too. You know, how the season went because it kind of I'm an employee and a fan, so <laughs> it hurt doubly. But, um, <laughs> But yeah, man. So, but just don't, just all, all of what the Giants are embodying. I mean, it will just the that's just my team. That's always gonna be my my team for real. I, I, I love that mentality. I love that. I love that approach. Uh, we'll 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 get you out the door here on what we're hoping to have a little bit of fun with you as well because you showed the skill set on the field this past season. Fantastic. And and by the way, going back to preseason, Andy can can attest to this. I kept saying, I was like John, John Hilleman. We got him in there. He's on the practice squad. Just, you know, we got to just watch this guy. Just keep an eye on him. And I was just, I was so excited when you got that opportunity. Appreciate that. Another area that you've shown some skills is on Twitter. I got to say, man, you are, you're, you're, you're turning out some content there for, for the everyday person during these quarantine times. I just had to ask you a, a couple of quick questions. What's up? One of the, one of the first ones you put out there was, and I said, where we got that Madden, little Madden material as well, but you uh you showed some confidence in uh Simone Simone Biles with her little bit of a reverse engineering getting in and out of sweatpants. Is that something? Are we talking? Are we talking core strength from John Hilleman to pull that off, or are you using any unique styles to get dressed in the morning? Well, if I were to do that challenge, it would be with shorts. <laughs> I would have to because I would just go halfway. I would just let her know, look, Simone, like I I ain't a professional. I'm a professional, but I ain't a professional gymnast, like y'all. <laughs> And um, so, but I, yeah, that I saw that I saw that late at night, and I was just looking, and I saw it, and I was just like, "What?" And I just, and I, so I'm like, "Who's gonna be able to do this challenge?" And then I looked in the comments; it's like hundreds of people trying to do this challenge, but they were successful. So I was sitting there like, "Wow!" I was just taken back by how many people were doing it. And you had obviously there were some gymnasts, you had some regular folks, some you know former athletes in different sports trying to do it, and I was just like. So I was thinking to myself, like, nah, I'm not gonna try it. But I mean, I was just very, very like taken back by, you know, just the influence of, of, of just the influence of, you know, popular athletes. Uh, period. I mean, you try something and everybody want to try it, and so it's it, it was that was pretty cool. That was really that was definitely interesting to see. But yeah, I'm probably not gonna try that. <laughs> I probably won't do that. Well, John, I see. I love the Stranger Things hoodie. Brings me to another yeah, point man. that we. We've got going on right here. Obviously, you're a big uh, TV and, and movie guy. We could tell that already. One of the tweets that we saw was you watching The Office and watching Scott's Tots. And you said, what a roller coaster <laughs> that was. And we wanted to ask you, is that the most uncomfortable you've ever felt watching a comedy in your life? Man. Man. <laughs> that was like cringe. Like every, every single when I first watched it, I was just like, like I couldn't, I had to kind of pause. Like, like what? 
and it's a, every single time I it, it still makes me cringe to this this time. I probably watched that that like, that's my favorite episode, ironically. But <laughs> it's it's hilarious, but it's like really messed up. You know, like it's like, it's like genuinely <laughs> messed up. Because to think about like the concept of what happened, like all those kids, like their futures are like done. But the fact that how he reacted to it, you know, in his Michael type of way is just it was hilarious, but I I, I almost felt bad for laughing. <laughs> no, because he did offer them batteries. So to be fair, the dreams were dashed. But laptop, you know, you laptop can't power. batteries. <laughs> yeah. The thing that made that so funny is his laptop batteries. But like usually, you use a laptop in college, <laughs> and they're not going to college because you can't pay it. So that's what made it like stuff like that made it even more funny. Like he's just like next level with his comedy. <laughs> like it's crazy. He's like, and in college, you use a laptop. And to charge that laptop. Yeah, you're gonna need batteries. Like, yes. like, some of them don't even got laptops, man. Like what? You, like it was that was just, that was insane. But yeah, they, that that show. Every time I watch it, I was just like, oh my god, like good. Yeah, yeah. I I gotta ask about uh, something about a former teammate for the Giants. So former former New York Football Giant. But when he leaves that school and postdates those checks for the one student, Michael Scott, <laughs> to to pay for his books, that's also the he's like, I'll pay for your books. He's like, that's every semester. I'm gonna postdate these over the next yeah, four yeah, years. Yeah, Do year, not right? cash them and make sure you call me before you go to cash them. Um, <laughs> I remember that. That was stupid. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing that we also saw you retweeting out was about the the all in challenge. People doing some things to help out. A lot of athletes stepping up. You retweeted Eli Manning, who just casually throws up his Super Bowl Porsche that he, of course, yeah. won for for winning yeah. the Super Bowl. Is it, is John Hillman rolling up the garage? And I'm sure there's got to be Bugatti probably in there. And maybe there's a McLaren. I mean, there's got to nah. be just an excess of cars that nah. you're just looking to kind of throw out there to help people out. Nah, man. Car <laughs> posters probably, I would say. But, I mean, probably – no, that just just that. Yeah, that's just a legendary uh, – Eli is a legendary person, man. It's just that. That was kind of like the complex of, like, yeah, it's my second Super Bowl MVP car that they gave me. It's one of my second one. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? He's not going to obviously beat on his chest, but that's not his style. But, I mean, he just, like, had to throw that one in there. But, uh, yeah, that's that was really cool just to see that. And he challenged the organization to do something big, and I'm sure he's planning something pretty big to want to give back and, and show the fans and people who are going through this this terrible this terrible time, just give, give them some, some some light and, you know, something something great. So, yeah. But, yeah, that, that was always cool. I mean, any, anything Eli say or do, you got to, you know, pay attention and watch and, and retweet. I'm going into my uh, into my shed. I'm looking to donate bikes. I got I got two or three bicycles. Oh, a lot man. of them are a one speed. Uh, oh. You know, beach cruisers. So I'm, I'm a, yeah. They may need oil. They may not have a chain that works. But I'm just you know this. I, I want to contribute. But I'm in a it's certain start that counts. That's all that really matters, man. As that's it. As long as you all in, it doesn't matter, man. That's it. Chip, John, like you said, you gotta you gotta retweet anything that Eli does. We you know we'll get you out of here in a sec, but. We we saw that you tweeted you retweeted him with the bag of chips in the film room with Peyton. Oh my God, that is the come on, right? I remember seeing I remember seeing that. Um, I remember seeing that clip a while when it was like around that time that it came out, and I, I forgot all about it. And I was just sitting there, and I was like, he. Cause I, first of all, I was like, how young he looks, and then I was just like, okay, thinking I, I got because I have three brothers, and I'm the third child, so I got two older brothers. And I just understand the whole idea of just like being the younger brother, you kind of got like you're always just overmatched. Like you're like, all right, all right, you got it. Like he's kind of, I could, so I kind of like, I could 
sympathize with him on that. He just kind of was like, all right, look, I'm defeated. You got to take the bag of chips. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, all he wanted to do was eat. That was it. That's all he wanted to do was eat right before, you know, workout. And his older brother, Paige, just got too annoying and just, you know, take the chips from him and, you know, just. I got that. I got that older brother, like that same, same mentality. It was like, I'm just trying to me, man. Why, why, why? I'm, I'm over just, here. Leave me alone. I'm over here trying to eat and do a natural human function. And I can't even do that, you know? So, I mean, it's tough. Yeah. You know, but I mean, it's Peyton Manning. You're not really going to tell him no. So. <laughs> well, whatever that complex is too. Oh, it's my older yeah. brother, but also it might be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in the NFL. Yeah. I guess. All right, fine. Take the chips. Yeah. You don't have to, you kind of get that one up. <laughs> Unfortunately, the last thing we wanted to ask you about was Ozark. But listen, my man Andy has a wife. He's got a young child. He's behind on Netflix. I, w- I want to know about the Wendy comment. You've straight. You you've taken her clean off the board in in Marty Bird's eyes. But we can't uh, we can't dive in too deep. I mean, you can't you can't go too quick with with yeah. some of these hot takes, John. Not all of us have enough time during nah, quarantine to watch right. Ozark. You know, you're right. You're right. That was that was a little insensitive of me, but. I forgive you. Don't worry. I Quick, forgive you. Well, quickly, I would say, I, I well, have you? You didn't finish all of it, right? I'm, I'm a couple episodes left in season three. I'm working. What you got to say, John? most of it. You finished most of it. I, I personally thought, I personally thought he should have let her go, in the beginning. I personally thought he would have been fine by himself. Um, she did. She does have value to the. She does have value to the um the show. Hundred percent. She does have value to the show, but I mean, certain things are just you can't. But they can't. set her up, right? They set that character up, man. Like they made you want because when you I saw the tweet, I was like, yeah, yeah, I could see that. You know, what I mean? like they make, yeah. they make, they make you want to hate her very that's early kinda, in that yeah, season. In the beginning, that's kind of I got, I got most, I get emotionally invested into shows, and so in the beginning, and Marty's my favorite character. Jason Bateman is one of my favorite actors. There so I, I, um. So that was part of it too. I was like, "Oh, well, you did, my boy, Jason Bateman." Like, <laughs> I definitely don't like you, you know. So I was just like, "Yeah," but towards the, I guess towards like season two, I kind of I don't know if you felt the same way, Andy, but towards season two, I kind of learned to to like her. Like like season one, I tolerated her. Season two, I kind of learned to like her. Three like earlier parts of three, I thought like she was just losing her marbles, and some of the stuff she was doing it kind of made me go back to my original point. Like so you probably should have just like. <laughs> Did your thing and took the kids and just left, you know. But it is what it is. We all make our choices. Go with your go with your instincts, right? That's what they yeah, say. Man. Got to. Always. Well, listen, man. I, I know. I know we took you a little bit long here, so I just, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, it couldn't have been any more fun just to get to know you uh, both on the field and a little bit of the off the field stuff too. We're looking forward to seeing you out there next year for the New York Football Giants. Hopefully, uh, you get to get in that running back room with Saquon and newly acquired Deion Lewis as well, and, and just start to continue to do what you started last year and just carry it over, man. We really love the mentality, the approach, and I think uh, I'm excited to be able to say as we're covering the team during the year, John Hilleman with that big carry in the third quarter. John Hilleman stepping up in the passing game. And I, I really see that for you. So just just many thanks for joining us. And we couldn't be any happier. If you uh, if you find yourself with that stimulus money and it's overflowing in your pockets, don't worry about reaching out to me or to Andy. We'd be happy to you know, get in on that as well. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you all. Thank you for having me. a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. And that'll do it, folks. A fantastic interview with John Hilleman from your New York football giants. We, again, could not be any more appreciative for him stopping by and giving us a little bit of his time. Great to hear about his off-season routine, what he's looking ahead to in the upcoming 2020 season. 
of course, those 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 Netflix nuggets. We got to keep on top of this guy throughout the season to see what other kind of Twitter gems he's going to be giving us as well. You can follow us on social media at One Giant Podcast, and of course, head over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcast, rate, review, and subscribe as we continue to build the empire that will be the One Giant Podcast. And as my friend Andy Makowitz would say, let's go Big Blue.